Today's episode of the WAC Podcast is brought to you by Hercules Tires, the official tire of the Western Athletic Conference. Welcome to the post-Thanksgiving edition of our WAC Podcast. Kendra Sheehan, Eric Danner. Good to be back. A little time off. Thanksgiving. Spent time with, you know, friends and family. How was your holidays? Are you happy to be back and back to the grind in the office? Well, I've been back. (laughs) Right. (laughs) One of us maybe took a few uh, comp days, vacation days. (laughs) But uh, yeah, wonderful Thanksgiving. Uh, Glad to be back. Glad to be here in the uh, WAC podcast studio. Yes. And uh, glad to have you back as well. And so we didn't get to do this before Thanksgiving. And I wanted to talk about your favorite Thanksgiving dish mm. that you make, whether you make it or someone makes it. So what is worse? Well, <laughs> a little behind the curtain here. Uh, I'm a gluten-free person. That's right. So you got to go uh, like stuffing. You got to get gluten-free, uh, okay. those kind of things. Uh, but my personal favorite would have to be the mashed potatoes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Any extra seasoning or any sort of thing? You, you know, do? my my daughter made the mashed potatoes this year. Put a little milk, a little butter in there. A little, oh, okay. You know, some secret uh, spices, and yeah. it was uh, delicious. Oh, okay. I make a a <laughs> it's a marshmallow. It's a pistachio marshmallow dish. Yes. And I actually went a little last minute, and I couldn't find the pistachio mix that I was supposed to. So I thought, you know, we'll do cherry jello. So it was marshmallow and then whipped cream and then cherry jello mix mixed all together uh you know i wouldn't do it again but you know it was (laughs) (laughs) so that's not your favorite dish well it it's a spin-off my favorite dish so the favorite dish would be the pistachio jello pudding mix the whipped cream marshmallow it's like a little dessert you're supposed to put pineapple in it but i think it just ruins it so well i think everybody's fascinated by it yeah it's easy people got to try it you know but anyway (laughs) we will we will go right back to it. Football. We're in the playoffs. It's a super exciting time for the WAC. Got two teams in and SFA took on future WAC member Incarnate Ward. And what a game that was tied at the half overtime. And unfortunately, Sam or sorry, Sam Houston, Stephen F. Austin falls to Incarnate Ward and they will take on Sam Houston in the second round. What a terrific game to start the playoffs. It was Incarnate Ward. Took the lead 21 to 14. Stephen F comes back, ties it up in the fourth quarter, 20, 21 all. And then Rashad Nichols with our whack top play of the week, just rips the ball away from the ball carrier <laughs> and goes 32 yards for the touchdown. Thought that, you know, momentum obviously was on their side, then takes the lead with about five minutes to go. But then Incarnate Word comes right back down. They score, force that overtime. And the Cardinals are now playing Sam Houston State this uh, upcoming Saturday. And uh, we're going to talk to David Saltzman, who called both uh, the SFA UIW game and will be calling the Sam Houston UIW game uh, coming up this Saturday as well. That'll be a battle of you know, the veteran team, the reigning national FCS national champions, and then UIW. It's their first time in program history, making it to the second round. That's a game 2 p.m. Central time kickoff ESPN plus to watch volleyball, though we the WAC tournament was just a couple of weeks ago, but it is not over. Utah Valley has made it to the postseason. They'll play in the NCAA tournament. They'll take on number 17 seed Utah. So that's an exciting matchup. And that'll be Friday, 4 p.m. a mountain time. And that's going to be over at BYU. So not very far 
for Utah Valley to have to travel. And Utah is a team they're very familiar with, Kendra. They played them twice to start the season. They did once at home and then once in Salt Lake City and uh, unfortunately came out on the, the bad end of it uh, both times there. But if we learned anything from the WAC tournament, New Mexico State had beaten Utah Valley twice. Utah Valley was able to get New Mexico State in that matchup. And in the championship, Grand Canyon had also beaten Utah Valley twice. And Utah Valley came out on top in that one. So it's a little strange as opposed to some of our other uh, tournaments and championships where there is that week off in between because of Thanksgiving. Uh, so Utah Valley maybe had time to cool off for the past week since they're red hot. But you get to the tournament and uh, it's, you know, whoever the best team is that particular day. So we are uh, going to be rooting for Utah Valley this Friday. And we also have five other WAC teams playing in the postseason in the NIVC tournament, the NIT, if you will, of volleyball. And so it's exciting to see so many teams continue on into the postseason. So Chicago State uh, gets to host a pod, as does Stephen F. Austin. Uh, Sam Houston also made it into that uh, uh, tournament as well. So five teams in total, six teams overall playing in the postseason. So very exciting times for WAC volleyball. Oh yeah, that's great to see. Sam Houston was that one of 10 automatic qualifiers Then Chicago State, New Mexico State, Stephen F. Austin, UTRGV, all earning at-large selections. That's super exciting. Sam Houston will open that tournament on Thursday against Evansville at Chicago State, and then the Cougars will host Bradley. So very exciting. WAC volleyball is not over just yet. And UTRGV and New Mexico State are both going to Arizona uh, to play in that pod as well. And then uh, Stephen F. Austin taking on Jackson State. Arkansas getting a bye so the winner of that match will play Arkansas in the second round of that tournament. Looking forward to that, but let's move right along to basketball. I mean, we had some pretty crazy games this past week. Uh, let's start with Tarleton playing number three Gonzaga, and they were leading for a while. I think that people are learning. Uh, <laughs> you don't want to schedule Tarleton. Uh, <laughs> Gonzaga, it, number three team in the country. They just had a huge matchup against Duke over the weekend in which Duke won come back home. The, uh, the kennel as they call it in <laughs> Spokane was packed. You know, the, the, the fans are all doing their thing and Tarleton really had them on the ropes. They were winning in the second half hats off to Billy Gillespie and that team playing four guards. And then their, their post players like six, seven, of course, Gonzaga with uh, Chet Holmgren, number one recruit in the nation last year, likely number one pick in the NBA draft as a uh, freshman this year, held him in check. He's, he's a seven footer. He's uh, kind of a thin guy. I think he's about 100, <laughs> 190 pounds, but uh, whatever the uh, Texans were doing, they, they kind of befuddled the, uh, the Bulldogs. And uh, they had a lot of nice things to say after the game about uh, Tarleton's effort, but did come out on, on the short end there, but uh, uh, another uh, great showing by uh, Tarleton against a top five team in the nation. Well, I think when I spoke to head coach Billy Gillespie prior to the season starting during our basketball media preview days, he had talked about how important that non-conference schedule was and and getting his team ready. I mean, what better way to set yourself up for conference play than going toe to toe with number three Gonzaga and, and nearly pulling off a huge upset. But uh, in other news, Sam Houston, they made the uh, sports center top 10 highlight reel 
this past week. They took on Texas. Of course, they battled number seven, Texas, all the way down to the wire. Fortunately, fell 73 57. But Javion May, what a dunk. I think the broadcasters are pretty excited listening to their call on that and one. Th- and that was at Texas. I mean, yeah. on the Longhorn Network. So, not to say that uh, Texas yeah. would necessarily have Homer. <laughs> Uh, people call on the game, but I mean, for their, their broadcasters to get that excited number three play on sports center on Monday night. So kind of exciting on Monday, right? Cause I'm kind of flipping back and forth between Texas and Sam Houston, Sam Houston gave them a, a good game. They Texas course pulled away in the second half, but for, for the first half, it was kind of back and forth. They were playing in the volleyball gym. So the, uh, the court looks kind of weird. If you see the, the highlight, uh, it was part of a promotion Texas does a few times a year where they have all students only come to the game. So oh, there was okay. 3000 students there as opposed to, you know, their, their normal gym, which seats, you know, 15,000 or whatever it is. Right. So a, a little more intimate of a, of a setting there, Sam Houston play, you know, went toe to toe with Texas. Uh, of course, uh, Chris Beard, now the head coach at Texas this year, top 10 team. So another good showing by, by a whack team against a, a top 10 team in the country. You got to imagine that's a tough environment for Sam Houston in that smaller setting with 3000 students who are obviously not Bearcats fans <laughs> screaming at you. But um, now in your tenure at the WAC, how often have you been watching a game and then it just goes out and it's, it's the power <laughs> outage that happened at New Mexico state this past week, they had a power outage interrupted the game. I think it was on hold for, was it 45 minutes? while they were trying to get it underway and get and the, the car that, back up. So New Mexico State playing arch rival New Mexico. <laughs> the, the two teams, New Mexico State and, and their non-conference, will play a home-at-home with or New Mexico and UTEP. And a lot of that has to do with the rivalry. A lot of it has to do with the proximity of the two schools. Nobody that New Mexico State wants to beat more than, than New Mexico. So they have a full house at the Pan Am Center, seats 13,000 people, great environment. You know, everybody's into it. And then the power goes out. Watching it. <laughs> I have no idea what just happened. Did the, did somebody unplug the stream? Right. You know, did, did somebody kick out a plug, <laughs> but it was a power outage across the campus and the generators were able to get the lights on in the arena, but they were not able to power the truck because the truck, when that surge hit, they were not able to power back up, unfortunately. So fans watching the game on ESPN plus were not able to see the remainder of that game. And also if you're trying to follow live stats, that went out too. So oh, they were right. having to do the old fashioned by hand stats. And then they had a, a, a box score, a picture of a box score <laughs> printed uh, as the tweet, as, as far as if you want to know the stats. So uh, hats off to the crew, because I was just there two weeks ago, working with many of the folks there in New Mexico state. And it just, your heart, you know, goes out to them because there's nothing really they can do. What, what are you going to do when the, when the power goes out and made the best of a bad situation there. Right. And a, probably an unfortunate situation for those fans and parents that obviously weren't able to be there and watching this big rivalry game and, and uh, the power just forces the game not to be, it would be streamed anymore, but we had a lot of great basketball this past week. No surprise. Fardaw's AMAC is once again, our ticket smarter men's basketball player of the week. He has just been, you know, as advertised, we had high expectations of him coming into the season, tested the NBA waters, lost a bunch of weight, and he just comes in and continues to be explosive for this Wolverine offense. Fardos continues to lead the NCAA in rebounding, which he did last year. And 
that was a question coming into this year. I believe he averaged 15 rebounds a game, which was the most in, in several years of anyone in the NCAA. And here he is this year doing it again, averaging 15 rebounds a game and and does look uh, sl slimmer and trimmer out there and, <laughs> and uh, moving around. And he's also added some offensive uh, moves to his game that I've noticed uh, down in the low post. So I'm hit to, you know, kind of a 14, 15 footer, which really wasn't part of his repertoire last year. He's basically just under the basket. So he's, he's really taken that next step and he's our ticket smarter offensive player of the week. Our freshman of the week from Seattle U, uh, Victor Rakovich for uh, the Red Hawks. And, and he's another exciting player to watch. We, we've been talking about uh, Taron Armstrong at CBU and some of the things he's done. So this is the first time he hasn't got the, it's only three weeks in, but, <laughs> but a, a great uh, showing by, by Victor and Seattle U is, is a team that's uh, kind of sneaky good right now. Uh, their only losses to Washington state They're at six and one to start the year. I mean, you look at the, the records, uh, so many teams, five and two, six and one across the whack. And, and when you look at the losses, they're a lot of times against power five schools. So a lot to be excited about uh, as we head towards December. We're in December. Guess what? Conference play starts this month. That is time is just <laughs> flying by. You don't even realize, you know, I was I came into the office and my calendar is that November. I got to flip it up to December. So who's the December? Chicago I haven't flipped Cup? it up yet. I haven't, gotten, <laughs> I haven't gotten there yet. So I have to do it, but I haven't done it yet. It was Jason Hayward for November. So we'll have to see. Who's I did see the Rockies were trying to sign uh, Chris Bryant potentially. Oh, How well, now I can see him here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. They just, they, when they broke up the Cubs this past year, it just broke my heart. But at women's basketball, we're seeing, get back on track here. We're seeing a lot of good basketball from uh, California Baptist. They were a team that we had high expectations for. Anya Oleta has returning. She, she's been tremendous. And then they get a, the Lancers earn a power five win over TCU 91-77 on, uh, Saturday on the road and, and Ani Oleta was uh, outstanding. Again, here's another one. Their only loss of the season is at Oregon state, a ranked team and only by eight points. So they have picked up right where they left off uh, last year and CBU. If you have not seen their, their women's team or their men's team, but their men's team is pretty exciting to watch as well, but their women's team so exciting and, and beating TCU was one of those moments where they, uh, doused uh, coach Olson with a uh, Gatorade <laughs> bath in the locker room. Of course, you can't miss out on, on that opportunity as a player. And as a coach, you just have to see it coming when you get such a win. Also, how can you miss a buzzer beater? That was pretty exciting from Sam Houston, the buzzer beater over Longwood. It was Madeline Bat Batista mm -hmm. tipped in that game winning bucket to give Sam Houston the win. I mean, what a match that was. And they were down most of that game and they were able to come back and, and win it over Longwood. And uh, if you want to watch the clip on our, we, we tweeted it last night on uh, Wax sports, social media on Twitter, uh, a fantastic call in terms of <laughs> excitement by the broadcasters. And you had mentioned, you're like, I don't know who's excited the the broadcasters and the camera crew, the camera's shaking, you know, is that a fan? The, team, the team's on the floor. Yeah. It was, it was a great victory for Sam Houston for sure. And in our top, our athletes of the week, we have Utah Valley. Oh, they claimed both of them. Josie Williams is our Ticket Smarter Western Athletic Conference basketball, women's basketball player of the week. She is the junior center. She had a monster game to help the Wolverines go 2-0 and this week. She's just been tremendous for this team. And she also leads the nation in rebounding. 
Oh my goodness. 14 rebounds. What, what are they teaching at per game? So <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I don't know how deep the uh, stats go over at the NCAA, but when's the last time uh, someone from the same school or the same school led in both men's and women's rebounding. And she's uh, also taken a, a next step, if you will. We've seen Josie Williams the last few years as one of the top players in the league and, and seems to be even better this year. And a name we're getting used to talking a lot about uh, for our freshman of the week, Aaliyah Collins from Chicago State. She uh, against Wisconsin. We talked about a little bit on last week's show when Chicago State went to Wisconsin and beat them. First win in over two years for the Cougars and to do it at a Big Ten school. Right. She had 25 points in that game. And just watching them play, she she really, you know, makes that team go. But they also have a, a, some other new players on the team. And Chicago State, even though their record doesn't reflect it, you know, being able to beat Wisconsin, I mean, they're, they're still one and six on the year. That's their only win of the season. But, I mean, dare I say they're, they're the best one and six team in the country right now? <laughs> you know, Chicago State's just a team that I think excites me. They, they go out there, nothing to lose. They've been getting better in practice, getting more comfortable with each other, with the team. They have that first win against, you know, in two years against a power five opponent at their, you know, at their floor. Like, I mean, that was just, that's just crazy. So that's a team that just, I'm looking forward to watching both on the men's and the women's side. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't go away because David Saltzman, play-by-play, ESPN play-by-play broadcaster who will be on the call for this weekend's WAC football. Well, it's not WAC football, but uh, that's the playoffs, playoffs yeah. <laughs> against. It is kind of WAC football because it's Sam Houston the future. and Incarnate. Yeah. So next year, both teams are in the WAC. Exactly. Right? So WAC football playoffs uh, this Saturday, 2 p.m. We'll be joined with him next segment he'll be breaking down this past game this past weekend Stephen f austin against incarnate ward and then this upcoming game so stay with us with us get she at eric Tid. <laughs> hercules tires is the official tire of the western athletic conference and for over 65 years has been providing tires with unbeatable quality at an unmatched value whatever the vehicle and whatever the terrain hercules tires invites you to ride on our strength for a retailer near you, visit HerculesTires.com. Welcome back to the WAG Podcast. I'm Kendra Sheehan, Eric Danner. We have a special guest, ESPN play-by-play broadcaster, David Saltzman, joining us. And David, you had the incredible opportunity to call last week's game, Stephen F. Austin against Incarnate Ward. What did you like about that game? I mean, that was such a battle between two teams. They were tied at the half, forced into overtime. What did you see from that game? Yeah, and appreciate you having me on. I, I liked all of it. I mean, uh, it was an incredible game, like you said, and it was it was just great because it was one of those games that was close all the way, but it wasn't one of those offensive shootouts. Um, but the, at the same time, it wasn't one of those games where the offenses struggled. I mean, each part of the game kind of came up at once. UIW had this big kick return late, so special teams played a factor. Uh, you had SFA with six sacks, and, and then you had Cameron Ward for UIW, and that passing offense really come through. Um, there was so much I liked about it. Uh, you know, I, I think from SFA's standpoint, 
That is such a well cohesive unit um, and uh, WAC fans and SFA fans should be so excited because they have just about everyone back next season. I mean, obviously there's the transfer portal and you never know nowadays, but you could tell how much of a close knit group that was. They love each other. They love Colby Carthel and his staff. And if they all come back, they're going to be really, really salty. They got to Cameron Ward and sacked him six times put a lot of pressure on that passing game. And yet on the UIW side, I couldn't be more impressed with Ward of the offense. That was the fifth time I'd done UIW this season. And one thing Ward has done for all the numbers he's had this year, and even going back to the spring, he won the Jerry Rice Award for being the best freshman in the FCS, but he's better this year. And I think the reason being, especially late, is that he's patient. He's not trying to do too much. He got sacked 10 times in a game against McNeese. And his head coach, Eric Morris, said that he has to stop trying to be Superman to do so many things on his own. And he's responded since then. They've won all five games. So despite all the pressure SFA got on him, and despite the fact that SFA did not allow a pass play for over 23 yards because UIW is so explosive, Cameron Ward said, okay, I'll, I'll take with you get what you give me. And here and there, 15-yard gain, 18-yard gain, even six and eight-yard gains. He was patient. He didn't throw an interception. Even after SFA had that strip sack um, or, or the strip of Kevin Brown and big Rayshon Nichols scored that touchdown with five minutes left to make it 28-21, Warden UIW said, okay, we'll just come back and score. And they did with 38 seconds left before winning in overtime. Two really tough teams um, that were inexperienced come playoff time, but you couldn't tell. Um, it was a really well-played game on both ends. Yeah, what an amazing finish that it goes to overtime. UIW is up 21-14 in the fourth quarter. As, as you mentioned, SFA ties it, and then the Rayshad Nichols uh, strip of, of the running back, and then the rumbling, stumbling 32 <laughs> yards for the touchdown. Was our whack yep. top play, and David, I saw you tweeted about that, that your, your voice may have uh, gone up an octave when you were calling that particular play. Uh, maybe five octaves. Uh, yeah, I kind of broke the old uh, broadcasting rule, right? You're not supposed to be that elevated with your pitch, and I couldn't help it. It, it was really amazing um, just because of what had happened, and it was so shocking that all of a sudden you see this 307-pound guy rumbling downfield like that, and we broadcast on the visitor side at UIW, so all the fans, and you could see the sideline just get so excited. I'll be honest, when that happened and they made it 28-21, I thought to myself how heartbreaking that could be for UIW to lose like that. And then again, for them just to respond and, and be like, it's no big deal. You know, we got five minutes. We can tie the game. And to do so, that's an attitude that's different with UIW this year and, and why even going into the Sam Houston game on Saturday, that's a tall order, obviously. I mean, the Bearcats are number one and undefeated and the defending champs. This is a tougher UIW team, and, and, and I think they might have a shot at uh, on Saturday because it's really hard to rattle them. And on Saturday, we'll have the battle of Sam Houston, and then future WAC member Incarnate Ward, two teams that are solid Sam Houston. I mean, they have been incredible all season. Really the past two years, they've got Eric Schmidt, who has been a top quarterback. And then going up with Cameron Ward, what do you see from those two quarterbacks? They're going to battle it out and and see if they can move on to the next round in the playoffs. Yeah, Schmidt's been so good. You know, as you know, Sam Houston's won 21 straight, but their loss, their last loss, which was November 2019, which is amazing, came when Schmidt was injured. So the last time that Sam Houston has lost a game when Schmidt started was the second game of 2019. That's in September. And they went to North Dakota, a real tough place to play in Grand Forks, and, and lost a close one. So Schmidt's just a winner. You, you look at his numbers, and they're not Cameron Ward-like. They're not even Trey Self-like with SFA. 
his completion percentage isn't great, but he's so steady and effective and he's so clutch. I mean, I'm sure you remember the spring where uh, Sam Houston was against the wall so many times and yet Schmidt and the offense was able to pull through. Obviously that late touchdown against South Dakota State was the highlight uh, when they scored with under a minute left uh, to, to be able to win the national title. But with an effective guy like that, he's not gonna make a lot of mistakes. He's so, so solid. And I think he knows that he, he doesn't need to do everything because of the defense that they have. And with Cameron Ward, um, you know, his numbers have been amazing. Uh, he threw for 610 in a win over Southeastern Louisiana, um, but he's thrown for 300 or more yards 10 times. I think with Ward, it's going to be, as I was mentioning before, he has to be patient enough to take what Sam Houston gives him, not be rattled from the pressure. But the one difference I think they do need in this game versus the SFA game, I mentioned they didn't have any explosive pass plays in the SFA game. They're going to need to have a couple here, um, at least against Sam Houston. Now that's easier said than done because you have Jalen Thomas and Zion McCollum, who, who may be the best duo of corners in, in the nation. You have a team that only gives up 17 points a game. It's going to be really hard for them to continue to be as effective as they were, as they were against SFA, if they're unable to get those explosive plays. But, but both quarterbacks are, are so, so good. Um, and as long as Schmidt doesn't make mistakes, then you got to think that at least Sam Houston's the favorite, obviously. I mean, they're undefeated for a reason and, and the, the number one seed. Um, but we'll see if Ward and UIW are up to the challenge. We're talking with David Saltzman, who's going to be calling that UIW at Sam Houston game this Saturday. And you mentioned Schmid, the last time they lost was when he was hurt, when he was hurt this year, when they played SFA in the Battle yep. of the Piney Woods. That was uh, about as close a call as you can have, 21 to 20. Sam Houston pulled that one out. So that just illustrates how good a player he is, what he means to that team. But also, mm -hmm. you got to think, David, that that championship experience, they've been there, they've done that, might help the Bearcats as well this Saturday. It's remarkable. And the fact they're undefeated is one thing. The fact that except for that SFA game you mentioned when Schmidt didn't start, that they dominated everyone else. Central Arkansas gave them a bit of a game in the third quarter uh, when uh, Sam went up to Conway earlier this season. That's remarkable to me because you have a team that won it all in May and then you get a month off until you got to go back and start practicing for the spring. How many times have we seen teams that are coming off success and regardless of how talented they are, it's hard to have that high level throughout each and every game. You usually see slip ups and you haven't seen that from these guys. Again, they haven't come close to losing except for the SFA game when, when, when Schmid was hurt. And that's been so impressive to me. There, there's magic at Bauer Stadium. Uh, their undefeated Sam Houston is all time at home in the playoffs. You may remember James Madison gave them a huge punch early in the semifinals back in the spring, and Sam was able to pull that out. And even in the North Dakota State and Monmouth games, they had to make plays late. Um, so if they do have the, a rare close game against UIW, and I don't think this is going to be incredibly one-sided, even if Sam wins, that experience and confidence comes through so, so much. And one more point I'll make, because you brought up the SFA game uh, in Houston, SFA was dominating for three quarters and they were up 20 to seven in the fourth. And, and I call that game and I'm thinking, because Keegan Shoemaker starting at quarterback with Schmidt out, 
And you're just wondering, where's Sam going to get the offense? Uh, uh, during breaks, we were all just wondering, you know, where's this offense going to come from? And then Jaquez Ezzer makes a big play early in the fourth. Um, they were deep in their own territory. Sam Houston was. Ezzer out leaps the defender, gains about 40 yards to give Sam some room, and then boom, that was it. It was like a freight train uh, was just starting. And they dominated the fourth quarter and were able to win. I, the one, one key for Sam coming into Saturday is that Ezard seems healthy. He has 14 catches his last two games. He's been banged up off and on this season. If he's healthy and is that big threat, that makes them even harder to stop. But, but to your point, the experience overall with everyone coming back, uh, it's been really something how Sam Houston has kept that consistent high level of play throughout the fall. Well, this Saturday, the reigning national champs will take on UIW. It's their first time making it to the second round of the playoffs. That's Saturday, 2 p.m. Central Time. We're looking forward to hearing you on the call for that. But let's talk WAC football in general. I mean, we got two teams into the playoffs. It's the first year back in over a decade. How exciting is what you saw this season from the conference and looking to move forward uh, for the next, you know, several years? Yeah, great question. So with, with Sam and SFA at the top, there was no surprise with Sam. I think SFA making the playoffs, especially when they started three and three, you thought maybe they were out and put together the five game winning streak. And as we talked about, they have everyone coming back. So there's some excitement there, right? You have Tarleton State. I think it's a big deal that Tarleton went six and five in, in the FCS and going over 500. And they have Stephen Duncan coming back at quarterback, right? And, and they have that big dominating performance over Central Arkansas to end the season to put even more legitimacy on, on what they did. Um, there's some exciting times in Stephenville, too. When you take that, you add that, as you mentioned, that uh, UIW is going to be a member of the WAC. Uh, Cameron Ward is just a sophomore, so you're going to have a lot of players probably returning uh, for the Cardinals. Um, and, and then you, you know that Abilene Christian is going to get better. That, that program, I don't know if you visited Abilene before, the facilities and the support are so, so good. Um, they've underachieved the last couple of years, of course, and that's why they're making a coaching change. That is a goldmine there, and so I'd be stunned if ACU doesn't make some sort of a run um, in the next couple of years uh, with, with this new coaching staff, because I think it'll bring a lot of excitement there. Dixie State's only going to get better. Obviously, they're transitioning. Southern Utah is uh, joining the league. And Lamar's only going to get better, too. So you had a clear difference, right, between the, the top of the league and the bottom. I think the excitement most of all as these years go on is that I, I think that's going to decrease where you're going to have games against the bottom of the league that are going to be much, much tougher in a couple of years than, than what they were in the fall. Another thing to watch out for there, David, is uh, UTRGV with with plans right. to add football and throw them into the mix. And, and there's a lot of support in Edinburgh in that area. And, and it'll be interesting to see what they can put together as far as a football program goes, assuming that everything goes according to plan. I think that's great. Um, and it, it adds excitement, right? Even with UIW joining the league and you have all these Texas teams joining. Um, I, that was a huge move for the, the students of Edinburgh. They had to vote uh, to accept the, to, to pay more in fees per semester hour to be able to bring football. That's going to be great to follow because that area it really, really hungers for, for football. And so to be able to build that program, and I, I think you're going to have such great local support there because uh, you've had a good Division II program in Texas A&M Kingsville there for quite some time, but to have a Division I program in the Valley, that's what they call the South part of Texas, um, that's going to really, really be great for the community. And I think the story of 
you know, the past couple months has been conference realignment and, you know, it's going on at a, at a nationwide scale, a nationwide level. What have you seen? You've been doing this for a while from this past year and what's going on that maybe is different from, you know, some of the previous years where you've seen schools moving throughout different conferences and, and making those changes. It's dizzying, is it not? Um, <laughs> obviously, your conference has been part of it. And, and I know the WAC's done a really good job of trying to expand and bring in new teams. And of course, your footprint is huge in the Lone Star State and will continue for a while with the teams you have, even with Sam Houston going to Conference USA. You know, it's 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 one of those things where you, you have to grow. And I think, again, the WAC has done a good job of that. I don't think this is a surprise. Maybe it's a surprise how, how dizzying it's been, I think, to an extent. But this has been talked about for a while, right, that you're going to have at the FBS level these super conferences. And so it's going to get conferences below them on the FBS level scrambling. And certainly the American did adding their teams. And then Conference USA made the response, and including adding uh, Sam Houston and, of course, New Mexico State as well. Um, so... On the FCS level, we've we've seen that trickle down effect, right? Um, it's I don't think it's over, um, but I think if you're a league that feels really good about itself and, and the wax should, then you're in really good standing because of the teams that you have. Yeah, well, I just uh, had an interview with Jeff Hurd, our outgoing commissioner, who's been here for mm -hmm. 37 years, and uh, at one point the WAC was down to three schools. Yeah, uh, and and you look at where the WAC is now is. As he adds out the door and Brian Thornton comes in, uh, very exciting times for the WAC and WAC football in particular. I think it's great. And again, I think it comes down to being in growth mode. Uh, you, you can't rest on your laurels because there are other conferences that are doing the same. It's, it's competition, right? And, and so these conferences have to do all they can to be um, with as much a strong a footing as, as possible. And that's why, as we talked about, UTRGV adding football is huge. Adding these Texas programs are big in Southern Utah as well. Um, so it's exciting to see what the WAC is going to be over these next few years. Well, David, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. David Saltzman will be on the call for the UIW Sam Houston football game this Saturday, 2 p.m. Central time. Thank you again. This is the WAG Podcast. Kendra Sheehan, Eric Danner, thanks for joining us every Wednesday on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. And Spotify. <laughs> and Spotify. And that too. <laughs> Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And check out our website at waxsports.com.